I'm a Yahweh. Another blessed day. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be in your word, to be with you, your guidance, your teaching, that I can share this. Those things that you have me to share, your truth, knowledge, and wisdom, Father God, and any words that I say that anyone can hear, but not only hear the words, but listen to the message and then go to your word, Father. Seeking, seeking, you are to be found. Looking for that which you freely give, Father. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. So um, I'm going to share something. I wasn't going to, but then um, the Holy Spirit said it'd probably be a good thing um, that whatever's happening can be a good lesson. We have to remember this and these things that I even have to remember. I remember and, and keep in mind that I've shared this with you before is that when I share with you that um, I have this little free-floating mirror um, it could be a piece of reflective glass, but I like to think of it as a little ornate oval mirror that hangs around and, and I look in there and I see me, exactly me. So when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. What I'm sharing with you so oft times is not just a message or something that I need to tell you all out there. It's also a reminder for me to hold on to what I'm telling you. And brothers and sisters, there are a lot of individuals that don't do that. They just, they play that pharisaical attitude or that theological wizardry thing. And they like to indicate to others that they're so much smarter than everybody else. Well, that's a figment of their imagination because the truth be told as many of these individuals are, what's a, uh, word that I can use? Dummies. There's a good one. Dummies. Um, yeah, because they're not actually as smart as they like to portray themselves to be. And they speak of a lot of uh, things that are not true. They speak out of context. They speak with no true knowledge. And they have decided that what they read and what they are determining is the reality. And I've shared many of this with you, and I'll go back to it again. And I know it sounds redundant, but here's the thing. The Bible was written by God, <clears throat> penned by other individuals. Now, see, there's a difference. This is where some of these theological wizards get lost, as they use uh, things uh, synonymously, but they're, they're not. God is the author and the finisher. The beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days. Been around for, like he told Moses, I am. And what that means is that God does not, and I heard one of my mentors sharing this, He, God does not have anything according to a watch as we know it, okay? God is, um, oh, now I forgot the phrase that he used. I'll have to look it up again, but God is, um, oh, here's a, here's a, here's a term that's used on this plane of existence, eminent. 
the eminent domination and eminent sovereignty of Lord God. He has no time. He is. This is why he told Moses, I am. You tell him I am sent you. Because God does not have time parameters as we know it. God existed from the first and the last, the beginning. God was, God is, God will for always being. And remember when he was forming the earth, Genesis 1, 1. The earth was without form and void. And his spirit moved upon the face of the deep. That was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been here with us always, but we have not recognized it, learned to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is can manifest as Jesus. And we can have a personal relationship with God the Father, Jesus the Son, Paracletos, the Holy Spirit. We can have an interpersonal relationship with all and we can talk to them as if you're praying to Jesus or if you're praying to God and you can do so. The Bible tells us we can do so. So as I was sharing, you have these theological wizards that want to declare certain things that are just not at all according to the word of God and the Bible tells us that it is his, his holy word and that through his inspiration and his breathing of the spirit onto these individuals that wrote, they penned it for him, but he authored it. And you have these individuals that are as I've shared with you, they're speaking forwardly because they're absolutely, totally contrary to the word of God and because they have determined that it's not as God says it is and they've made the determination that it's not a guidebook, it's not our manual, it's not an instruction, except I shared some scripture with you and if you look in the Bible and you pick out these particular scriptures, just like in Ephesians 6, if you read the wording, and no matter what translation of the Bible you decide you want to go to, I like the King James because it's closer to the original. And there's other translations that are easier for people to understand because King James is a kind of hard translation, these and thous and therefore and thus and thus. And I have trouble with some things and I have to research and figure out what the statement, the context is meaning, but there are Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God. Well, I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps. I was a Marine Corps instructor. I taught schools. I taught various classes in the military, some things that were still not at liberty to discuss and some things I am. But I was an instructor for all these things. And let me share this with you. That sure sounds like an instruction. And then if you read contextually, there is a reason that you do what you're told to do. In the Marine Corps, they didn't always do that. But the Bible does. God tells us why we're doing it. We put on the full armor of God because we're not in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare. 
brothers and sisters, for our very soul. Now, I'm going to share with you what I was sharing a little earlier that I, I get wrapped up and involved in this. The devil really, really comes harder. And what I'm realizing, and actually I am, God, I praise him for this and I thank him for this, is that I have some things that are going on and the devil's bringing it on. Um, so I have individuals that I've asked to pray for this, but this is a type of thing that he likes to do. He likes to, he thinks he's very subtle at what he's doing, but he's not. So I was, uh, I missed something this week and it was the first time in five years ever and couldn't get anybody to respond to provide me with any kind of transportation or anything. So I became annoyed. Why? because I wanted to go. And so, um, the point that I'm, I'm making or getting to is that I have no idea why these individuals didn't respond or, you know, they, but they didn't. Not till way after the fact. And, and so that was an annoyance. Shouldn't have let it get there, but it did. And then, through the course of the day, the devil kept coming at and pestering and going and going and going and going. And this is this type of thing that he likes to do. And then he wants you to do a comparative study in your own mind of why these others did this or, you know, when you look at them and they do this and they do that and this and this and those. But brothers and sisters, we can't be caught up in doing that. This is why we put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation to remember that Jesus Christ did for us what no one else would do. And that because of his salvation and his righteousness that we can treat others with compassion and kindness and that we can forgive because the Bible tells us to. And here's another instruction. Oh, goodness gracious. I guess this is not an instruction manual, but yet it is. Forgive as your Lord has forgiven because it is not for you to judge. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Don't judge people, because if you do, this is what's going to happen. And it talks about, first we're given an instruction, then we're told why we don't. So, excuse me, this is very much like an, uh, as an instruction manual, or what we used to call in the military, a TM, training manual. And that training manual was all sorts of instructions and different TMs for different things. And then they had, gave, gave you of how you do it. And then they explain to the instructor, in the instructor's manual, they tell you why you're doing it that way. I find that all through the Bible. So I don't know where these folks get off, but here's the thing that we have to remember to do, is not allow the devil to take control of that thought process, rebuke that and pray. Rebuke and pray. Two really powerful, important key factors that we have to keep in mind during our walk. Rebuke and pray because the devil's going to come at you. And the closer you walk with God and the closer you want to be walking with God, the more he's going to come at you and try to keep you from doing it, which is this thing that was going on here. Wanted me to be all agitated and upset. And it was working until I started really focusing hard on God 
and thinking about it and praying. And then I watched, they do video of the sermon. I would have much rather been there. And I could feel some things that were going on with the pastor and some things that were visibly present to me that, that God has given me this thing. He's given me this. Sometimes it's very painful because when I see people going through the things that I see them going through, um, that's painful for me. So I just really have to pray hard for it. But I could tell that he was having some troubles and things. Immediately start praying. And my focus has to be on God and on others and not on myself. And I have to get over that thing. And we all have to get over that. And I listened to another mentor that I, I enjoyed very much and was involved in his readings. So I didn't get to go and worship the way I wanted to, but I worshiped. And I was in the word and I got God's word and I got the I got the lesson for the day, so I didn't miss out on that. And then I reached out to another brother and had him praying for me through this stuff because this is a type of thing that, that the devil loves to get you to do. Wants to get you to compare yourself with other people or to compare what they're doing with what you're doing and how you wouldn't have done that. But here's the thing. The devil likes to do this in um, not so overtly, meaning very obvious. He likes to be, uh, he likes to be very, sometimes, sometimes he's just so annoyingly obvious, but he's also very subtle in a lot of things that he does and in his attacks. And this is why I share with you that for those individuals that, declare that we're glorifying the devil when we talk about these things. This is another form of his attack to get them to think that that's their own thought process. It's not. And the Bible is very clear on this, that we have, there's a, a, a battle and actually a warfare that's going on for our very soul. And that the minions and the demons that want to keep us from attaining that which God desires for us to have and wants to give to us, and that is to be his children and to be heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. The devil doesn't want us to have that. And why? Because he used to live there. And the demons that are now with him used to live there. They know what it was, but they don't have the heavenly attributes that they used to have. but they can still interfere with our walk and staying close to God. And they know that when you pray openly, this is why I try to get you to understand this. They get you to, to try to get you to understand that praying in the spirit is very important. And if you feel weird or you feel like you can't, that you just give over to the Holy Spirit and you keep talking to the Holy Spirit to come and guide you and give you that utterance because the Bible tells us it will. And the reason that that's very important is because when you are speaking 
you are speaking in heavenly language that the devil and his demons cannot understand. They cannot comprehend it. They remember the Bible, because remember, they used to live with Jesus. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? That Jesus is the word. He was with God, in God from the beginning. John 1, 1, read it. Now, if Satan used to live there, the demons used to live in heaven and were around and they heard, they're aware of all these things. They're aware of what the word of God tells us. They're aware of what Jesus talked about in his teachings. You think they just got kicked out of heaven and forgot about it? No. So they know. Another one of his little subtleties is that they get you to think that certain thing now, they get you to think along the line like these other individuals that, oh, that's just glorifying the devil. Well, it's not, and there's nothing scriptural that says anything about it. And I'll remind you again that Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ, Bar Joseph, taught about the devil and his demons He's given his power and authority over them unto right to the devil himself. And that no harm will come to us if we are righteous and upright and in his name and doing it righteously. So these things we have to remember. We are also reminded by Jesus that the devil and his demons are like rabbiting wolves. And he told Peter that the devil wants to devour him. Peter reminds us that the devil is like, and his demons are like ravening wolves. He also told us that he's like the, the lion roaring in the bush to frighten people. So I believe I shared this before with you. Is it lions, if you've never been out in the, at nighttime, and um, they're a nocturnal hunter, and the big mountain cats, and you hear noises and things at night, and sometimes you can hear them crying at night. It's really pretty frightening, actually, unless you know what it is. So what they do is they wander around out there in the dark at night and move around, which is the favorite time for the demons to be out moving around and the devil, because they're cowards, they're like cockroaches. When you turn on the light, they scatter. So you hear them out there and it's to frighten you to get out of your hide. And you get up and you run where you should not be running instead of running to the Lord, instead of running to your strong tower, instead of running to the fence of God and crying out in your weakness, which God already knows we are, but we tend to like to think that we're a lot stronger. But in that weakness, we are frightened and we run the opposite direction of where we should be going. And devil loves to do that. And those are tactics that are readily used. So rather than being judging on these individuals that say that that's, oh, you talk about the devil, you're glorifying him. Well, then I guess Jesus is glorifying the devil. And he already told the Sanhedrin about their issue when they said that he calls on he calls on the devil to cast out the devil. Hmm. I remember that conversation that he was having with the Sanhedrin and read about it. And the name Beelzebub is a, a prince of demons. 
and calling on the devil to call the devil out. Makes no sense whatsoever. So those theological wizards are much like the theological wizards we have in this day. They declare things that they have no real true knowledge of. They just, they've read about something, they have book smarts, but then they don't apply anything. They just, they collected it. They're, they're not wise. They have no wisdom. They're not, they don't pray through the knowledge that they collected to, for wisdom from God. They like to look upon their own ways. And the book of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is very, very adamant about that. Lean not into your own understanding, but seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is very specific. But what these individuals are doing, just like the Pharisees did and what the Sanhedrin did with Jesus, they were leaning on their own understanding and declaring on their school smarts to be much more than what Jesus was or had, has. Arrogance. So we have to be cautious of that very same thing. And what I was doing is I was becoming very caught up in my agitation in that, as I said, that I had, I had missed a service since the beginning of COVID. And when we got back to meeting, and I was still found churches and things to go to, to, to worship and together, be together. And so I allowed the annoyance to manifest and to grow. But rebuke that because Jesus tells me that I can't do that. My Lord tells me not to do that. My God tells me to put on the full armor of God. And that full armor of God means a helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. To be girt about and carrying the sword of truth, the Bible, and have my feet prepared in the gospel in the preparation of the gospel. That means I need to study, I need to be aware, and I need to be in the Word. I need to be with God, and I need to pray for all these other things. That's important to do. That comes from the helmet of salvation because that's what Jesus tells us to do. If I'm saved, I must obey. If I'm saved, I must do that. If I'm a true Christian, true believer, I'm not a label head or self-proclaimed, then I must do those things that the Bible instructs me to do that my book of instruction tells me that I must do. And the reason that I do it, it tells me all of that. First, it tells me that certain things I must do, and then it tells me why. So, brothers and sisters, in spite of or despite these other individuals, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to share it with you again. The Bible is our guidebook. It is our roadmap. It tells us how to navigate our ways through this plane of existence. And it is indeed an instruction manual, yet you have these individuals that say it is not. Take on to the word of God because it is his profound truths that guide us, lead us, instruct us. And this thing that happened yesterday, but yesterday's gone. Who's, who's saying that? Um, oh, goodness gracious. That was an old, that's an old classical pop tune. 
Oh, can't remember who it was, but anyway, part of the lyrics is yesterday and yesterday is gone, which it is. And what we need to do is we need to practice the presence of God and adhere to his hearness, which I love his hearness. I love being about that and practicing his presence is for the here and now. So we, go, we don't go traipsing off too far out in the future because, as I shared with you, he gave us that uh, a gift. And actually it was a gift, but we've turned it really dark. And we make it into something that it's not intended to be. And that's going out there and getting ourselves so caught up in our day planners and we get so much stuff going on. But we can't go out there because it doesn't belong to us yet. Here and now with God, being with God, and God will walk with us and we have to have trust and faith. So if we spend more time pouring that trust in God, keeping us connected with him and aware of his presence so we can feel his hearness and be aware of that and practice that more and more, and that word trust, faith, those are synonymous. Trust and faith. But here's the thing you have to remember, I shared it yesterday. Faith does not mean that everything is going to be perfect. Faith does not mean that you're just going to walk, you know, right through something that is there and and that that funk of life is not going to be around you or not going to stick to you a little bit. May very well do that. But because God is with you and he is holding on to your hand, his righteous right hand will not let go of you. And you must trust that and have faith in that. And it will take you through. That's what praise is about. And I, I love that song. Um, I think is I think a young man's name is Hastings. But I love the song that he sings because he talks about praise. And in our faith and trust in God, we learn to praise him in all things and thank him in and through all things. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to be absolutely perfect and you're not going to float across the ground and not stumble and not fall. But what is remarkable is the times that you get up and dust yourself off and say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I fell. And he's going to wrap his arms around you. He's going to love you. And he's going to look you right straight in your eye. It's okay. I love you. I know. I love you. This is why I keep coming back to David and I remind folks of David, he fell. And people say, yeah, but he this and he that and he this and he that. So why are you, why are you focus on the negativity? Why are you focus on all the negative? God called David a man after mine own heart. God called him that. That wasn't some title that was given to somebody that was familiar with David and remembered him when he was a teenager as a shepherd when he went out and he plopped Goliath with that rock right between his big old eyes. He obeyed God, he followed God, and he did what he was supposed to do. 
And God knows that he fell, but what was admirable is that he always knew where to go. And God appreciated the fact that David knew his weakness and he knew that he would do. But he also knew who his Lord is. And he knew that God was with him and always returned to that place where he should be. Read the book of Psalms. It's a good book, really good book. And so much of what David says is exactly how we are this day. We have to remember something to hear. This is from... Um, this is from uh, Brother Boucher. I, I love his book. Again, I'm going to share it with you. I'm not sponsored. I don't get anything for this. I'm just telling you because it's, it's a good read. I, I, the Holy Spirit's guiding me through this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got highlighting and pen marks and side footnotes all through this whole thing, and I haven't even... I haven't got I haven't even gotten to the halfway point yet. But it's called wholehearted. So when you follow Jesus and when you obey your instruction manual and the word of God wholeheartedly, and this is important because in the Bible it talks about wholehearted. Jesus talks about loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, keeping everything focused on God. We're reminded that our focus must be on him. But a lot of times, and I like what he wrote here, this is how, it, um, as I was closing out yesterday, but what we have is we, we do this thing, we have fear. Um, not necessarily being fearful. Remember, I told you there's a difference. God knows that we are afraid of things, but being fearful drives us and motivates us to do and act ways in which we should not. Sometimes the littler part of that fear will do the same thing if we let that mount up too much. <clears throat> so when the Bible tells us to be still and know that I am Lord thy God, Isaiah tells us that. We can find that again in Psalm. David reminds us of that. Be still and know that I am the Lord thy God. There, I think I shared with you that there are um, 15 different scriptures throughout the Psalm that David wrote talking about being still and knowing that he is God. And in the book of Isaiah, we're told to wait upon the Lord those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and never faint. Because they're waiting on the Lord and they're doing in obedience to what God tells them to do. And we have to do that sometimes. We can't just pray and then sit and then because we don't get an answer right away, get up and walk away. That's like just... I heard this term, and I can't remember where I heard this before. It's like hanging up in God. You're starting to talk with God, 
but you're not willing to sit there and listen to God's reply or you don't wait for it and you just get up and you walk away and you forget about it. That's like hanging up the phone, a very important phone call that you have God on the line and then you're just going to hang up and walk away. Oh, brothers and sisters, cut it out. So we have this um, fear that mounts into this guilty sensation that we have of not waiting. I don't have time. I can't do that. I got to get to work. I got to get my coffee and get in the shower and get to work. Okay, so now the, your, your false deity of work has taken precedence over the sovereignty of God. So you put work much higher than God. And the reality of it is that you've allowed yourself for that to happen and you can't spare the reality of 15 minutes because it doesn't take hours and hours and hours and hours. I spend more time in studying and, and in the Bible and in my class books and things that I got to do because of medical issues and medication, things I, I don't go to regular work anymore. Not what I used to do. I can't do that. Not safely and reasonably. So now I study and I practice the presence of God and I love his hearness. And he comes and he's with me. I love it. It's great. But many of us get afraid of doing that and thinking that for some reason that that's not allowed. And they forget that God is capable of doing many things. I've shared with you before. I have seen him when I was still working full time and I was taking time to be in his presence and share the word as I'm supposed to do and driven to do that, that he bent time. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you right now, he bent time in a big fashion. And it wasn't something where something happened because I'll tell you why. Because when I got back to where I was started, I checked my watch to see if something was wrong with it. It was working fine. And I was, he just spent time. He made it happen because I was doing what he told me to do. But and sisters, it will happen. But for fear of being late or for fear of missing out on something, we don't stop, we don't listen, we don't pay attention to hearing from him, and we don't spend time. So instead of sitting for a couple minutes, and instead of taking off and running out the door with a to-go mug or a tumbler with a lid on it, and you go on, you're spilling it all over your hand as you're rushing to the car in the driveway to run, and then you get to work, and you're actually 20 minutes early for work, so what do you do when you get to work? You stand around, you shove a croissant or a donut in your face and drink more coffee. So instead of taking time, and here's the other thing. God doesn't mind if you are sitting at the table and drinking your cup of coffee, talking with him and reading the Bible. He doesn't mind you doing that. It really doesn't. So people get this this strange notion in their head that they have to have some kind of prayer posture and they have to be humming as they're meditating on God or they have, I don't know where they get these notions from, but they get these strange ideas that practicing presence with God, you have to do things in such and such a way or it's not honorable or it's disrespectful or something. 
I've shared this with you and I had somebody else share with me. I sing to God in the shower. I don't do it real loud because my vocal cords aren't what they used to be. But I sing to God in the shower. I worship God in the shower. And I talk to God in the shower. And some of you think, well, that's really weird. I, I don't know if I want to hear that. Well, get over yourself. Here's the thing. God knew you before you were sent down here. He sang over you before you came to earth. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening through the garden. They were naked before they ate of the fruit and became aware of their nakedness. And he used to walk with them. He created us. He knows what we look like. He doesn't care. It's not that big of a deal. But there are individuals that are so funny about these things. They won't talk to God in the shower. They act like that's some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of private thing. They get all upset because dogs want to follow them in there. They don't even understand what that's about. So they get all agitated because the dogs want to be with them. And they get all agitated because they don't want to talk to God when they're in the shower. That's, oh, that's so, that's, that's my time. That's why, really, is it your time? Oh, get over it. So instead of talking to God and taking the time, they want to keep moving. Like they have to go, 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 go. And being motivated by that guilty sensation that they have. And then they start comparing themselves to other individuals. And, and then, oh man, I wish I had time to do that. I wish I had time to spend with the Lord. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I had, I wish I might. Well, goodness gracious, just do it. Get over yourself. And then here's the thing, I've shared this with you before. When you start comparing, then you start getting agitated because somebody else is doing something differently or better or whatever the reason is that you have this comparative notion going on in your head. Which incidentally is not godly because anything that has to do with condemnation or blame or reasoning that, it comes from the devil. And we find in Romans 8, which is our adoption chapter. I've shared that with you. That's our, that's our letter of adoption. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for them that love the Lord. And when you start comparing what other people are doing, then you start condemning them. You start comparing them. Or then you go into self-condemnation, self-degradation, putting yourself down for things. And then we start becoming more afraid of what we're doing isn't good enough. Or so then we start acting on that instead of acting on love, compassion, kindness, and what Jesus told us to be like. And how we are told to be. Then we start acting the way the devil wants us to act. And we disrupt that interpersonal relationship which we're supposed to have. And which God desires for us to have. Having an interpersonal relationship with Lord God Almighty, Abba, Yahweh, Heavenly Father, maker of all things made. He desires a personal relationship with his children. That would be us. 
And what happens, I've shared this with you before, and then I find that that, that uh, Brother Brewster and his, has got it in his book. I, I, I like finding out and he's confirming, the confirming spirit, I shared this with you before. Is that we get in God's way, get in our own way, we get in God's way with our goals and what our dreams are, what our ambitions are, what our notions are and the way things were. And what I was doing yesterday, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, what I was doing, and this is just as a testimony not to, uh, you know, I'm not dwelling on this and getting caught up in that because the prayer and all that is that release but it's trying to help you so that you understand that we don't want to do this. That in what I was doing, I was becoming agitated because I wanted to be at church and it wasn't totally had stepped outside of the, of the arena of worshiping God and being in God's house. But because I had been there for so long and been doing it for so long and had not missed it, I had missed service. So, okay, did I get a ribbon? Did I get a plaque? Did I get an attaboy? Did I get a pad? Nobody has done that for all these years and having not missed one service. So what did I get all caught up in and get all agitated about? Stupidly, following that white noise interference and taking the focus away from the Lord God Almighty. I watched the video of the sermon. It was really good. And it got me drawn into something that I was seeing going on that, that I needed to be aware of and praying about. And then listened to one of my other mentors and his discussion on some things that are very key and that is coming very close to happening now very powerful. So I was able to study and worship God. I didn't worship in, in the song service, things like I should, but I, I had that going on still. So what was my drive? Foolishness. Foolishness, purely foolishness. Nobody paid attention. I got caught up in it. I listened to that white noise and inference, which we many times do. But we get in God's way with what we decide, and then we get in our own way. We, You've heard the term two left feet when they talk about somebody that gets out on a dance floor and they look just so ridiculous. Oh, man, they dance like they've got two left feet. They can't do anything coordinated because they're tripping over themselves. Well, we do the same thing when we start trying to put our intentions ahead of what we should be doing, and that is for God. It's not about us. It's about God. The reason we go to God's house is to praise and worship God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. When you could turn into the driveway at the church, you start thanking God for the fact that you got up that morning, that he put breath in your lungs, and that he has blessed you with the opportunity to come to his house and pray and worship and fellowship. And then when you get out of your car and you start walking across the parking lot, the courts of his temple 
you begin to praise God, praise you, Father, for this day, this time, this opportunity, praise him. And then you enter the sanctuary, enter the building, and you begin to worship God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, his house with worship. And we find up, and I share with you Hebrews 11, that the what some call the the hall of faith, we see names that are listed there. And if you go in biblical history and you go back in biblical history, following regula fidei, the rule of faith, and you go back in the Bible, you will find that they were not, in the beginning, very faithful individuals. They were getting in the way and they were trying to do, Sarai, her name became Sarah, but Sarai, Abram, um, she actually laughed at God. God confronted her and she thought that she was going to get away with lying to God. God already knew. And he knew that she was eavesdropping on the conversation that he was having with Abram. But she thought that the conversation was funny because she's an old gal and he's an old guy. And her doubt in God or lack of faith in God propelled her into doing something she shouldn't have done. If she had just waited on the Lord. But brothers and sisters, we get in our own way, we get in God's way, then we end up getting frustrated and burned out on things. And we get going too fast and too much because it's got to be according to our way. Why? That's totally contrary to what we're taught by our Lord Jesus, contrary to what the Bible tells us. But it's also important to know that the love of God and his love for us is his guidance. Stay in that, seek that, and you hear what I'm sharing with you, but listen to the words. Don't just hear the I've shared this with you before. Is it sometimes like it's kind of like um, kind of similar to the um, elevator music? Remember when you get in and you can tell that there's something playing, but you can't understand the words but you just sort of might recognize the music and then when you actually listen you hear the words and you know the song you actually know it i thought that's what that was i, I knew i'd recognize that so brothers and sisters listen to the words. There's a profound difference between hearing and listening. Listening has to do more with the physiological aspects and the function of the ear so that you can hear not just the noise that's coming into that receptor, which is the ear, ear canal and that ear drum comes down there and beats and vibrates and you get those sounds. But when you listen, you can actually make out the words, you can make out the songs, you can make out the word of God, you can make out the truth. 
you recognize. So don't only hear what's being said, but listen to the message and then go to the word of God. I have shared this with you time and time and time again, and I'm gonna keep on sharing it with you. Try my spirit, because you will find that what I share with you is truth, only truth and only given of God and the Holy Spirit and his guidance. I'm not gonna make things up to put myself in a higher position than what I need to be in or thinking that I need to be in. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make things up and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to speak truth and only truth. And we need to stay aware of his presence in every single step that we take with him. We have to do so in trust and faith in the Lord God Almighty. The Holy Spirit will guide us. And sometimes we get into this comparison thing that steps or walks that we're doing are, are really easy for us and it might be harder for somebody else. But here's the thing that's really important, that each path is taken is according to what we're able and God has got us on that. And we cannot, we cannot, there is no justification for comparing what you're doing or how you're doing to somebody else because that is a very slippery slope and you will fall down and get all caught up in the muck and mire at the bottom. And it's not a pleasant place to be. Comparing yourself to other people is wrong. It's contrary to God's tenets that he want, does not want us to do that. That he anoints us differently than everyone else. And we have to just be faithful and understand that he is with us always. Always with us. You're in my prayers, my going out and coming in. Be blessed.